We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. We're going to, uh, in a moment, invite Pablo Ramirez to come and share with us for the balance of our time tonight until around 8 o'clock, plus or minus. And uh, depending on uh, how close we are to that, we can go a little bit more as well, but uh, we might have time for some Q&A. So think of a question or two that you might have for Pablo and uh, for his family. Um, they were here last four years ago in 2019 in the summertime, I think. Um, warmer weather anyway, whatever it was. Uh, maybe it was in the fall, but it wasn't as cold, I think. Um, in any case, uh, we are very glad that they're able to be with us tonight uh, and uh, just kind of quickly passing through, and uh, here they are. So, Pablo, we're going to invite you to come up, come right on up here, and uh, we've had prayer, prayed for you, so you share with us what's on your heart tonight, and uh, we'll I'll go and help run the technology in the back, okay? okay. All righty. Yeah, God bless you. Hello, good evening. We are so happy to be here with you tonight. It's been four years since we were here, and uh, we have a new daughter. <laughs> She's two years old. Uh, her name is Amara, and we have Daniel. He's eight, and Julieta, she's 11. And my wife and I are still young. <laughs> but we are so happy to be here with you. It's so nice that you have a prayer meeting. We know that many churches don't have prayer meetings these days, but it's so nice to see uh, you praying together. And um, we are serving in Argentina. And we want to start with a very short video, and then I will show some pictures of what's going on in our country. Thank you. Okay. One second, we're going to set the live stream camera over to there. And here we go. Hi! We are the Ramirez family. I am Pablo. I am Theo. I'm Juli. I am Dani. And I am Sammy. We are serving the Lord in the Punilla Valley, in the province of Córdoba, right in the middle of the country of Argentina. Our valley has 15 little towns that don't have any churches that preach the gospel. We are currently working in two of these towns, planting and establishing churches. Throughout the years, the Lord has permitted us to preach the gospel and disciple believers in different parts of the valley. Once a group is formed and the leaders trained, we hand over the leadership and continue advancing north in the valley. We do a lot of emphasis in training national men to be the pastors of these churches. The Lord has been good, and it's been a blessing to serve as a family in the Punilla Valley and we are seeing how God is changing lives and establishing these churches. Argentina is a very Catholic country, 
and our area is very traditional. People are very materialistic, but they need to hear about Christ. And you don't need to convince an Argentine that God exists. They believe there is a God. But when you get to the part about sin, about Christ, that's when they get offended. But they need to understand that salvation is through Jesus Christ. So, in these towns, we have different strategies to contact people. Each town has its own different idiosyncrasy. Over the years, the Lord opened doors through a variety of ministries in the Punilla Valley, like Bible classes for children in a very poor part of the city, free English lessons for adults, evangelistic house meetings, soccer tournaments for teenagers, drama events, etc. Another town where we are working is called La Falda. There, we are having a Bible study in a family's house, and Lord willing, we are planning to start formal church services soon. In these last three years, we have also been working in the main town of the valley called Villa Carlos Paz. It's a big city, and there the Lord has been establishing the main church of the valley. We are having discipleship, doctrine classes, women's meetings, men's meetings, and couples meetings. We also had the possibility to start a radio ministry with weekly live programs. We are thankful for God's provision through all these years, and we appreciate your partnership in ministry. We appreciate your prayers. We need many prayer warriors. And our theme verse for ministry is in 1 Kings 18, verse 37. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. That is our prayer for the ministry here in Argentina. God bless you. There is a saying that an image is worth more than a thousand words, so we always try to show pictures of what's going on in Argentina. And that's, that's the flag of Argentina. Oh, I have the... <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, there. So that's our family. I was born in the north part of Argentina in the border with Paraguay. And Fiorella is from the country of Uruguay, next, the country next to Argentina. And we met in her church in a young adult meeting. Her pastor invited me to preach that night, and we met. And one year and nine months later, we were married. And actually, in that same meeting, I have a sister one year younger than me. She uh, met her future husband in that same meeting. <laughs> so it was a powerful meeting, you know. <laughs> I always tell young people, do not, do not miss those meetings. You don't know what the Lord has in store for you. <laughs> but we met and we went to live to the center of Argentina and to the province of Cordoba, right in the middle of the country. Argentina is a very big country. It's the, the eighth largest country in territory in the world. We have all the climates. We have jungles. We have deserts. We have um, a lot of resources, too. 
Um, and we live right in the middle of the country. As I was telling you while we were eating, we live about eight hours from the Atlantic and eight hours from the Pacific. It's a very beautiful area. It's the pre-Andes region, and um, a lot of tourists go to our area. Argentina is known for football. <laughs> Sorry, I had to put this. <laughs> um, we won the World Cup last year, so uh, our culture is um, um, it's all about football in Argentina. <laughs> And uh, we teach our kids how to walk by kicking a soccer ball. So you can imagine our, our obsession with this sport. Argentina, land of steak. Uh, we have very good beef. And most of our, our economy is based on cattle and soybean. So we really have very good beef. Um, over there is, is cheaper than here, much more cheaper. And it's very, very good. And Argentina has a, a mix, uh, an interesting mix of cultures. I was telling you earlier that we have a lot of immigration from Europe. So most of our relatives are from either uh, Spain or Italy. And you can see that mix in, uh, in the way we speak, in the way we think. They call us the different country of Latin America. And uh, the architecture is very similar to the European cities. Uh, we don't eat spicy food, for example, uh, compared to the rest of the other countries in, in South America. So these, are, uh, these are our gauchos, our cowboys. They are very famous by the way they dress. They still dress that way in a very traditional way. They use GPS now, but <laughs> they still dress that way. And they take care of, of our cattle, of our horses. And some famous Argentines are the, um, the Pope, the Catholic Pope. He's from Argentina. So you can imagine how proud Catholics are in Argentina. And, you know, we have a, a pope, they say. And Maxima, the queen of the Netherlands, she's also from Argentina. And we are seeing some New Age movement and some atheism, mostly between the young people. They don't want to, to believe in anything. And our goal is to establish autonomous churches in the Punilla Valley, in the province of Córdoba in Argentina. This valley has 100 miles long from south to north, and there's only one road that goes through this road and 15 little towns with no churches that preach the gospel. There are Catholic churches and Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses, but no churches that teach God's word. And our dream, our prayer, is that one day we will see at least one church in each of these towns. The Lord has been good, and he has permitted us to be working in three of these churches, in three of these towns, establishing churches. And um, uh, we are going to start, uh, when we go back in April, uh, formal meetings in a fourth town. So we are very excited about this. And the first town we reach is called Bialet Masse. This town has only 5,000 people. Everybody knows everybody. But uh, they have a lot of addictions, a lot of problems with drugs, with alcohol. And the Lord permitted us to start uh, an activity for children on Saturdays. We played soccer with them. We had a Bible class. We ate lunch with them. And after a few months, the parents started to arrive to the church asking us, what did you do to my kid? Because he doesn't steal anymore. She doesn't say bad words anymore. And we told them we didn't do anything. It was Christ. And it was a blessing to have this ministry. We had up to 80 kids come every Saturday. And the parents started to arrive, and they start, started to, to join the Bible studies. And that's how this church was started. And then we added uh, more activities and the Sunday meetings. And the Lord provided men. And we trained two of these men to be the leaders of this church. 
We wanted to send everybody to a Bible Institute, but it's very hard, it's very expensive in Argentina. So we started having uh, like a mini Bible Institute at night, and we um, taught the doctrines, and we taught uh, homiletics, hermeneutics, everything necessary for these men to be able to share God's Word in an expository way. And when these two men were, were ready, we handed over the leadership to them, and uh, we went on to the next town and uh, to do the same. So we're very happy that um, this happened in Bialet Masse. And um, that's our, our strategy for church planting ministry. Like, uh, like you know, we're serving with biblical ministries worldwide. They have an excellent philosophy of church planting ministry. We're very happy to be serving under them. And uh, there's uh, almost 600 missionaries all over the world with this mission board. And we follow the pattern that the Apostle Paul did. He went, he evangelized, he did discipleship, and he uh, trained leaders. When they were ready, he would move on to the next town and do the same. So we're very uh, happy to do this. Uh, before we were with BMW, we were with another mission board, and they started having an ecumenical philosophy, and we immediately resigned. And we were told by them that we were old-fashioned and narrow-minded, but we told them there's only one way to God, and it's through Jesus Christ. So we resigned, and the Lord guided us to BMW, and we're very, very happy to be serving with them. Uh, so for the last three years, we worked in a new church plant in the city of Carlos Paz. This is the biggest town of the valley. It has 90,000 people. All the other towns have from 500 people to 15,000. And we started working here right uh, when COVID started. And we were kind of discouraged because we thought, well, nobody's going to, <laughs> you know, if we can't leave our house, how, how are we going to start a church? Because it was in Argentina, the lockdown was very strict, you know. But we started having a Bible study through Zoom and Skype, and uh, we will pass around the, um, the link for people to log on to the Bible study, and they will, uh, our contacts will pass it to their friends and their contacts, and suddenly we saw on the screen a lot of faces we did not know. <laughs> and uh, it was amazing how the Lord worked. So we were like that for some time, and when the government opened the, gave us the possibility to, to meet, we said, well, let's, let's get to know each other. And we rented a dining room in a hotel, and that's how this church started. And then the Lord provided another place to rent in a very busy avenue. And we're amazed at what the Lord has done in this church. And uh, the group grew very fast, and we are excited to see them um, ready to be an independent church. We have five men that are doing a rotation in preaching, and uh, we have... Um, areas of, of service in the church and most of them are covered by the people so uh, we know that it is the time to move on to the next town so Lord willing in April when we return we will um, start going north in the valley again to the next town which is about an hour and 15 minutes from us and we always uh, do the same we work with children and with adults and we do a lot of emphasis in training men to be leaders because we, we have seen in many ministries, in many areas, um, in many places that when the missionary dies or when he moves, the church collapses because nobody knows what to do. And we don't want that to happen. So from day one, we tell people, look, we will leave in a few years. So from this group, at least one man has to stand up and be the leader. And, of course, God guides that. 
But uh, we do a lot of emphasis in doing discipleship with men, in, in investing in their lives, in spending time with them and teaching them. And, and my wife and I, we work alongside two other couples, and we are very, uh, we do a lot of emphasis in training uh, men. Also, we train women, of course, to teach other women, and women and men to teach kids, um, and everything necessary for a church to continue, um, continue on, you know, carry on. Uh, we found out that small groups in living rooms are the best way now to reach new people. Um, so we're having a lot, of, a lot of those small groups, Bible studies in houses, couples meetings, um, prayer meetings. We do a lot of emphasis in prayer meetings every Wednesday also. And it's amazing to see God uh, working in people's lives. And two years ago, um, my wife and I, we were praying about uh, a more cre creative way to reach people. And we found this secular radio station that has a very powerful antenna that reaches most of the valley. And um, we went to talk to the owner, and he said, okay, I'll give you a chance. And we started having twice a week live shows. Um, and we didn't want to have like a sermon uh, we wanted it to be more interactive because people are not used to listening to sermons. So we um, started going through six questions that every person uh, asks himself or herself during their life. Why am I here? What happens after death? Um, if God is good, then why do bad things happen? You know, the usual questions. And we gave a phone number uh, mess to send messages or to call us. And people called and we would interact. It was just an amazing way to get to know people and to get the church known in the valley so my wife and i were with this ministry and uh, we also invited people from the uh, church of carlos paz to share their testimonies to share uh, a verse that god impacted them uh, that god had shown them and uh, it was great it was great to see this ministry in uh, the punilla valley uh, movie events especially in special occasions like easter uh, is a great way to reach people too and for the past two years, we have been part of a home Bible study in the, uh, in the town of La Falda. This town is one hour and 15 minutes north of us. And uh, three families get together in a living room there. And the group has grown. And they're excited. And they want to take the next step. So we are praying and planning on renting a building uh, to start formal meetings on Sunday and more activities. So please be praying for, for La Falda in the Punilla Valley. This town is very um, unique. It has 16,000 people and no churches that preach the gospel. And there's a, a big mountain there that the top of the mountain glows in the dark because it has minerals, a lot of minerals, rocks, you know. But a lot of people, they think that um, that attracts outer, uh, people from outer space. Yeah, so they go and they settle in that mountain. They go and live there, expecting that at any moment these people will arrive there, you know. So, so there's a, a mix of things in that area, a lot of darkness, uh, new age, a lot of drugs too, but they need a church. So we are really praying for this town, and we're always eating <laughs> in Argentina, and uh, it's a beautiful group there in La Falda. When we return in April, we plan on, um, we will focus in this town. About us, we are living on approximately 85% of our required support level. Our prayer is that the Lord will provide us close to 100 of our support level as possible. 
Argentina has this year had 130% of inflation. It's uh, going to be like Venezuela in a few years. That's what they are saying. Um, but the good thing is that when there's an economic crisis, people remember that there's a God. <laughs> and they have a lot of questions about spiritual things. But please be praying for, for us and also for, um, for the situation in our country. Thank you. Thank you for your prayers. We know you pray, and we really appreciate that. We need many prayer warriors that will pray each uh, week for us. And um, I want to share you, with you very briefly uh, some verses in Luke chapter 17. If you will go with me there to Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. My intention is not to teach anything new. You have two wonderful pastors that teach you every, every week. I just want us to be reminded of, of three things that we can see here, three characteristics that we can see in a thankful heart, three things that we should see in a heart that is thankful. And first of all, we can see that a thankful heart expresses externally what God means in his life. It tells to the outside what God means in his or her life. And we know the context of this miracle. We probably read this miracle many times. Jesus was traveling all over Israel, preaching, teaching, and doing great marvels and miracles. And the purpose of these miracles was to show that no one could do these things if it not were for the power of God in him. And uh, we see that Jesus' objective was not only to fix health issues, this was only the means so that people will recognize that he was God. And that through that admitting this, they will believe in him. No? And we see in this occasion Jesus healing these ten lepers, showing that his supernatural power came from God, giving them physical relief and a miraculous improvement. And you know, it was a very bad thing to be a leper in that age. There was no cure. These people could not live with their families inside the cities. You know that most cities had, a, had walls uh, in their limits, and these people, people had to live outside the cities. They could not work um, inside the city. They could not be with their relatives. They uh, relied on the mercy of people that, that came and 
threw food at them like they were dogs, you know. It, they were very discriminated. People were afraid of leprosy. And it was terrible. It was terrible to be a leopard in that age. And as we read this miracle, um, we can see that this one was one of the most amazing miracles we can see in the New Testament. And we read that only one leper came back. Only one. There were ten, but only one came back and expressed what God now meant in his life from that day on. And we can imagine the situation. This leper was so full of joy. This ex-leper was so full of joy, relief, and thankfulness. He could not contain himself. He returned glorifying God, giving the glory to God. And I'm sure uh, he was not shy about it. Uh, he came back with a loud, in a loud voice telling everybody, Look, I was a leopard. <laughs> and, and that man called Jesus, he, he uh, cleansed me. I, my skin is now soft. I have a new soft. Uh, he healed me. And he was giving the glory to God. He was expressing externally what God meant in his life. And sometimes we are so passionate about many things, but people cannot see that we are excited about our salvation, about Christ, about God. And um, he, this ex-leper was not whispering about this. He was exultant. He was intentional, intentional in his purpose of letting everybody know what God meant, what God had done in his life. And in Psalm 100, you don't, you don't need to go there, but in Psalm 101, it says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. The psalmist here is encouraging the people to, to show that they are happy show that they're excited about their Savior, and uh, that is what we should do. Sometimes we receive in our churches people that want to see miracles in their life, you know, and they come to our churches and they say, Pastor, uh, I want my wife to return to me. I, am, I want God to heal me. I want God to help me in this economic problem I have. And we tell them, look, God is sovereign. If, if that is His will, He will do it. But the most amazing miracle you'll ever see in your life is that now you're part of his family. Uh, don't, don't ask for greater miracles than that. Because before, before Christ, you and I were enemies of God. There was no hope for us. But now we can call him Father. And we pray and he listens to us. And we are part of his family. And that's the most amazing miracle you'll ever see in your life. You know? And Psalm 100 encourages us to tell other people about this because when unsaved when unsaved people see that we are excited about Jesus about our salvation when we see that we plan our week having in mind Wednesday prayer meeting a Sunday meeting the activities of the church and we go with a with a joyful heart and they and they see that we are excited about about our savior that will impact them that will impact them and like like we showed uh, on the pictures we are seeing that Having people in the living room, in your living room, in small groups, in Bible studies is the best way now to reach others with the gospel. Because people that will never go to a church building, they will go to your house because 
they trust you. They know you, your neighbors, your uh, people that you know from work, your friends, and you can have a, a light snack and just a conversation, a short devotional about, about, um, about God. And that's how we're seeing many people come to Christ and coming to the church because they see that we are joyful about our salvation, about God. So a thankful heart expresses externally what God means in his life. But we also see another thing in verse 16. Let's read verse 16. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. The second thing we can see in this, in this miracle is that a thankful heart leads me to serve God with joy. A thankful heart will lead me, me and you, to serve God with joy. Imagine this, the scene, this, the situation. This ex-leper was on his knees with his head flat on the ground. This gesture, this showing of respect was reserved for someone with great authority. You did this in front of a king, in front of a governor, in front of somebody that was superior in rank. You didn't do this in front of your neighbor. This was reserved for someone uh, which you admired, that you admire, and it basically meant I recognize that you are superior to me, you are important, you deserve my respect, and I am at your service. Tell me what to do. <laughs> I am at your disposition for any task you will have me do. A thankful heart will be the engine that will motivate you and I, that will propel us to serve our Savior with perseverance and joy. We will be searching for opportunities to serve our Lord. Our pastors will not have to run behind us telling us we need people for this activity or for this ministry. We will go to them, to our elders, and tell them, I want to do something for the Lord. I want to serve. Please, tell me what to do. And in church planting ministry, every missionary dreams of having people in his church that will want to serve God with passion and consistency. When a church planter sees that in the group there are people that understand the concept of serving the Lord and they do it with joy and with, with consistency and perseverance, that's when you know that a church is ready. That's when you know that a church is independent. And um, last year we made a list of 22 possible areas of service in, in this last church plant. And to our surprise, most of these areas were covered during the year, uh, from teaching children to uh, cleaning the, the, the building to um, discipleship to most, most areas that the church needed. And um, I remember, I always remember Brian. Brian was the first convert uh, in, this, in this church plant, and he was the first one that, that was baptized. He's 27 years old. He's very tall, <laughs> blonde. He could be American. <laughs> Not many tall people in Argentina, you know, but he's huge. And um, he, he lived a very empty life, going from party to party with a lot of addictions. He was very empty, and he started attending the church, and um, after a few months, he repented, and he came to Christ, and, and God saved him. And he's so excited about Jesus, about his salvation. And you can see the change in his life. It's so amazing. And he came to, to us one day, and he said, Look, I, I am still not sure what spiritual gift I have, but in the meantime, 
I want to do something. I want to serve. Please, tell me. I want to serve. Okay, Brian, um, you can go and greet people at the door, we told him. Okay, perfect. So he was there, you know, and in Argentina, we hug and we kiss. You know, we're huggers and kissers. So now you have Brian, this huge guy, hugging and kissing everybody in the church. <laughs> That's our Italian heritage, you know. We're very affectionate. But he was so joyful, and everybody that got to the building saw this huge guy greeting you with such a joy. And you just started the service happy because he, uh, he, uh, he, he was contagious, you know. <laughs> so Brian understood the concept of serving. And verse 2 of Psalm 100 says, Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. And another version says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. It's amazing how this psalm goes hand in hand with this passage, with the same concepts. And this is the attitude the Lord wants to see in us. Our service to the Lord is the logical and natural response to what he has done for us. We are so amazed, so happy, so humbled by his love that our reaction is to put ourselves to put our lives in his hands so that he can use us for his glory. So this ex-leper understood that right away. He went there and told Jesus, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. I want to serve you. But third, third and lastly, and last, um, we can see another thing in verse 16 also. Um, I will read from verse 15 again. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And the third thing we can see is that a thankful heart will make me surrender to my Lord. Will make me surrender to my Lord. And you might say, well, but isn't this the same as serving? No, because we can serve God without total surrender of areas in our life. We can serve for other reasons, selfish reasons, you know. And in this, in this story, we see this particular detail that calls our attention. I read this passage many times, but there, there's one detail that verse 16 um, says, he, this ex-leper, was a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. This was very interesting because Samaritans and Jews did not like each other. They did not like each other. They did, did not have a good relationship. They had so many issues between them that when they traveled, they tried to avoid <laughs> their respective areas, you know. They took a longer route so to avoid uh, where the Jews or the Samaritans lived. There were cultural and religious differences between Samaritan and Jews. We won't go into that right now. But one of the biggest arguments they had was regarding the place where God had to be worshipped. The Jews says God has to be worshipped here. The Samaritan says no, he has to be worshipped in this other mountain, in this other mount. So they had a lot of cultural and, and traditions and things between them. And remember when Jesus uh, spoke to the Samaritan woman. And the disciples were shocked because for many reasons she was a woman he was a man. He was alone talking to her, but she was a Samaritan, you know. And um, for this ex-leper to recognize that Jesus, a Jew, 
had authority and deserved his thankfulness and service was such a huge step of humility, of humility, of humbleness. Samaritans had a different approach to God. They had a different view of how to relate to the Almighty. Other rights, other ways. And that is how we sometimes relate to God. That is how times we relate to God. We don't want to surrender our viewpoints of life, and that leads us to not surrender all the areas of our life. We tell God, well, I will give you the control of this and that area, of my family, of how to raise my kids, but I will be in charge of the finance area, of my free time, of my hobbies. You know, you take care of that, I'll, take, I'll be in charge of these other areas. But this ex-leper is showing us that surrender goes hand in hand with a thankful heart that wants to serve our Lord. This leper had the humbleness of not only putting himself at the Lord's service, but also giving up all the control, all the preconceived ideas he had about life, traditions, about how to do things, etc. We need to do the same. This is so important in ministry. In Argentina, people have preconceived ideas about God. Like I was sharing earlier, you do not need to convince an Argentine that God exists. You don't need to talk about evolution, about the Big Bang. Uh, you can go right into spiritual things because they know, they, they believe there's a God. And Argentines are very friendly. It's very easy to start a conversation with them. And we might be going door to door giving out tracts, you know. And they might invite us to their living room, you know, to sit down. And they might be drinking mate and I don't know if you remember that I showed this four years ago. This represents our country. If you remember anything about Argentina, this represents our country, the mate. Mate is a very strong herb tea we drink. And um, this herb tea, herb tea is, um, has more caffeine than coffee. It's very strong. And we use this special cup. We pour the, the herb tea inside. We use this special um, straw with a filter at the end, and we pour hot water, very hot water, and you sip, okay? And this is a very social thing in Argentina, and there, there's always a group of people drinking mate together, okay? So there's somebody in charge of pouring the water, and he hands the mate to you, you drink, you pass it to him, he pours more water, he gives it to him, he drinks, and we all sip from the same straw, <laughs> And it's very, very uh, offensive to clean the tip of the straw, okay? So if you ever go to Argentina and they offer you mate, just close your eyes and sip, you know? But it's a good thing if they offer you mate. It means they like you. It means you're accepted. It means you are welcome there. So we might be talking about Jesus, and we sit down with them, and they prepare the mate, and the mate starts going around. And they will agree with us that God exists. And they will agree with us that God uh, created everything and that God uh, gives second chances, etc., etc. But then we get to the other part of the gospel, the part that says that God is holy and that we are sinners. The part that says that our good works don't amount to anything. And that's when the mate stops going around. <laughs> and that's a, a polite way of saying leave. <laughs> we don't want to listen to you anymore. They get offended because they have their preconceived ideas, like Samaritans had, of how to reach God. Of how to reach God. And even when they are saved, Argentines, 
They have preconceived ideas of how to do things in life based on traditions learned by their ancestors uh, with a heavy influence from the Catholic Church. So as Christians, they also have to take out that backpack and tell the Lord, I am going to surrender what I learned since childhood, and I'm going to see what the Bible says about what's right and what's wrong, how to raise my, my kids, how to treat my, my wife, how to uh, everything, you know. A thankful heart will surrender every area of his life or her life to the Lord. And Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. This verse basically means you have to recognize that God is superior than you. So if he says that is wrong, then that is wrong. If he says that is right, then that is right. And we as Christians, we have to surrender everything to God. So, how is our attitude when we approach our Savior? Are we proclaiming the gospel motivated by a thankful heart? Are we serving him with joy as a natural response to his many blessings in our lives? And lastly, have we surrendered every area for him to be in control? When we do this, my dear brothers and sisters, we will be missionaries where God has put us. You have access to people we will never have access to. They are watching you. Sometimes we think, oh, no, nobody's watching me. Nobody cares. No, everybody's watching us. They see us. They see the way we speak, our attitudes, the way we treat each other. They see everything. And when they see that we're excited about the Lord, when they see that we're serving him with passion, when we see that we have surrendered every area of our life to him, then they will want to know what's going on with us. And they will come to us and ask us. And we will have opportunities to share the gospel and show God's glory wherever he has put us. So may the Lord encourage us this night to have a thankful heart like we see in this passage. Thank you for this opportunity. And if you have a question, please feel free to... Yes. We've been serving full-time for seven years now. Yes, seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I love your model, how you guys work. And so when you kind of establish the local leadership, you kind of move on. Yeah. You spend a lot of time with these people. Yeah, we love them. So it's family, right? Yeah. So how often do you kind of keep touch and base with any kind of spiritual kind of That's a good question. We, it's not like we never see them again. We go once in a while, but, but we want them to be independent. We want them to make the decisions, you know. So, uh, yeah, we might see each other in the anniversaries of the churches or special meetings, but they are independent now. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. You said you're, you're rallying mm-hmm. Yeah, we um, we live in the biggest town of the valley. It's called Villa Carlos Paz, and uh, from there we we travel. Right in the south, in the beginning of the valley. So at the bottom. At the bottom. Yes. So um, we 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 travel. We we the farthest we have to go now is to this town that uh, we are going, uh, that is called La Falda. 
it's one hour and 15 from us. So it's not so, so um, long a distance. We go and, and we live in the same house, in, this, in the same place. Oh, the other two is uh, 20 minutes away, and the other one is maybe half an hour. So, yeah. These towns are very, yeah, very close, and there's only one road that goes. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, obviously, as you pointed out, the Pope is from Argentina. Yeah. And obviously, Brazil is Catholic, so they need to overcome Yeah. Well, yes, Catholics are very proud of, of having an Argentine pope. Uh, we also seen that there's a, a group of Catholics that are disappointed by some of the popes um, um, because he's very liberal, you know, especially with gay couples. And so very, the very conservative Catholics are shocked at some of the things he, he tries to do. Um, but most Argentines, they when you ask them what what do you believe and they automatically say we are uh, a catholic roman roman catholic apostolic uh, the whole creed you know <laughs> they're very proud you know to be catholic right now so when when a, a, a catholic uh, has a lot of pressure in argentina from his family mostly because they tell him well why why did you start going to the evangelical church uh, what will your grandparents think you know your your the, the tradition, what will neighbors say, you know, there's a lot of pressure. But there are many Catholics that are very sincerely seeking for God because they know deep inside that their good works are never enough. So when they understand that salvation is, is by grace through Jesus Christ, they are so relieved, so happy, and it's like a backpack that they take off and, and they are very, very, very happy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Some are men that are already uh, retired from their jobs, so they already have an income, which is good. Um, but um, yeah, others are are bivocational. So um, our 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 dream is that one day every church will be able to support their pastor. Uh, when we leave a church, there are three conditions, three things that that need to happen. The church has to be uh, a self-reproducing church, a self-governed church, and self-supported church. The part that, that is self-supported means that the church can take charge of the expenses of, of the church, you know, the renting a building, uh, the utilities, uh, the projector, the chairs, the, everything. Uh, and we have reached that step in all the churches that we have been working. Uh, at the beginning is the missionary that uh, part of our support is for ministry expenses that covers that. But as we teach about the responsibility of giving uh, and people start to, to give to God, uh, to the church, then they reach the stage when the church is self-supported. So when, when they reach that stage, that's when we know that, uh, that yeah, this church is independent. But yeah, we are, our prayer is always that one day they will be able to fully support at least one of their pastors. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for your time and your questions. Thank you, Pablo and Theo and all of your children for coming tonight. We are very glad that you are here. 